0: I want to read to you Acts chapter 2, a very, uh, excuse me, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, a very familiar passage, and it says, and you will receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria, and into the uttermost parts of the earth. I want to talk to all of you that are here, and all of you watching by the way of the internet, I want to talk to you this morning about transferring power, the God of the universe, has called his children to operate in the wonderful power of Almighty God. He's transferred it to his children. Can we pray? Father, thank you today for your word. It's a lamp and it is a light. We're trusting you to make a way where there seems to be no way and fill us to overflow with your authentic power. In Jesus' name and all God's men and women said, amen. Turn to your neighbor and say you've lost weight and go ahead and sit down. So that's why you can go to the cafe, you can get the food out there and everything for you. Well, we're so glad you're here this morning. Thank you for being here. And we welcome you today. We love you very much. We're praying for you. And we're just glad you're here. If you're watching, by the way, of the Internet, we'd love to hear from you as well. Join in on the chat and join us in that conversation. We'd love to pray for you as well. I want to think this thought today for I think all of us should get on this thought about what it means to transfer power. Living in the United States of America, we understand that when a, when one administration leaves and the next one comes on the scene, there's what we call in America a peaceful transfer of power. And in that power transfer, what the current administration gets is from the former administration. They get all the intel, all the secrets, and it's supposed to be a peaceful process. What we're seeing in our political climate is, is the great divide, but that's not so with the kingdom of God. God's established there to be a peaceful distribution of his power. That's why the Holy Spirit is called a dove. Do you know there is a world of difference between a, bi- a pigeon and a dove? They both look alike, but they're not alike. As a matter of fact, pigeons are dirty. Doves are not. As a matter of fact, pigeons, you may not know this, but this is Pigeon 101 this morning. Pigeons love to hook up with any other pigeons. I mean, pigeons gone wild. They'll hook up with any pigeon that they want to hook up with. But a dove has one mate for life. There's a difference between the pigeon and the, do you know that pigeons, they love noise. That's why they're in the inner cities, but doves can't stand noise. There's a world of difference between the peaceful dove and the, and the pigeon. I think that's true with religion. I think there's a lot of pigeon religion going on, but it's not the authentic And when the dove starts to transfer its power, it starts to give you the it stirs up within you the gift that's already there. I want you to know that because power is one of the greatest issues of our day. It is clear now that one of the major problems with people today is handling this thing called power power on that hot August morning, the year was 1945, when the news had broken over a war-weary world that there had been one atomic bomb released that shattered and destroyed Hiroshima with one atomic blast. The world was shocked. They were stunned. They were staggered in disbelief. They could not imagine anything generating such power. And then a sickening fact had settled in that man who had never been able in all of human history to control power now had the ability to end civilization, to annihilate the human race. Let's take that to today's standards. Now we have H-bombs, we have nuclear warheads, we have surface-to-air missiles that make that first atomic blast look like a mere firecracker. It's unthinkable, so we don't think about it. It's unspeakable, we don't even speak about it. Attempts have been made to try to calm us down, to, to try to settle our jagged nerves, to create this impression that the danger is somehow less than the dread, but that's simply not so. The new fire and brimstone preachers today, they're scientists, those who know most, fear most. They're calling on the world for repentance. We need to face this truth. We now have within our grasp the ability to reduce the earth to ashes, to scatter in seconds what it has taken centuries to build and to put together. That's why power without the character of God to control that power is really the formula for the end of the world. Power without the character of God to control that power is the formula for the end of the world. That's why there will be a nuclear explosion in the Middle East in the near future. What you're seeing with Iran, what you're seeing in Russia, with China, all these superpowers rising in the Middle East because there's a reason. Number one, humanity has never had a military weapon that they have not used. Number two, God said it would be that. We now have within our grasp technology from the space age, but morally we're in the stone age. Now power in itself is not evil, nor the passion to possess power. That's not wrong. It was Jesus Christ who preached the gospel of power. Jesus preached this gospel of power everywhere he went. When Jesus opened his mouth, they didn't go see Jesus because he had little cutesy things to say. No, they went to see him because he put his hands on people and leprosy disappeared. He spoke and dead man came back to life. He spoke and demons were delivered. Mark chapter 9, verse 1 says, The kingdom of God came with power. Jesus says, All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. The Bible says, To as many as believe, do I have any believers in the house today? To as many as believed, they, they had this power now to become the sons and daughters of God that word power is sonship where you and I can have this Heavenly Father and cry out to him Abba Daddy God but there's such an issue today it's what I call the form without a force the Bible tells us that there's this form of godliness that's to happen there's nothing wrong with the form many of you have come from different backgrounds different upbringing some of you have come from different churches and different types of religion and you've come to most churches and there's usually a form. There's a form of songs and there's a selection of songs. Some of you go old school back in the hymnal days. Some of you went back to this type of form and there's nothing wrong with the form. That's why people can come to church with no discernment and they think all churches are the same because of the form. But they're not the same because the Bible says, do not deny the power thereof. They're they're forms, but they reject miracles. They reject the gifts of the Spirit. They reject the the moving of the Spirit. They reject the healing and the virtue of God and the power of God and the grace of God. It's like rituals without righteousness. Hollywood theatrics without true Holy Spirit anointing. And that's the reason so many people today, they get involved in the occult. They get involved with religion. that Some of it is like occultic driven. They get involved with the occult. Why? They're, They're searching for power. But friends, they need to come to the house of God and find real power. Every time we sing, every time we pray, every time we preach, there ought to be thunderbolts and lightning coursing through the house of God. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and forever. Amen. That's why our scripture this morning is so wonderful. Acts 1 and 8 again. You shall receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Jesus preached the gospel of power everywhere he went. They didn't get a free camel ride if they came early enough around Jerusalem. They didn't get a free autograph book signed by Jesus. No, they came to see power in action. Listen to Luke chapter 4. The Bible says with power he commanded those unclean spirits to come out. Diseases in Matthew chapter 5. The Bible says the power of the Lord was present to heal all who were afflicted. That means if you're in this room, no matter what age you are, no matter how young or how not so young you are, it doesn't matter. If you're in this room or watching by the way of the Internet and you're sick in your body, Jesus has the power to heal you and transform you right now. There's no distance in prayer. Do you know he has power over nature? When he was on the Sea of Galilee, I've been on that sea many times. And when he was on that Sea of Galilee, he was asleep in the boat. And the disciples woke him up because there was such a vicious storm that arose suddenly. And on that sea, vicious storms can arise suddenly. We were there one time, and uh, just out of the blue, we were crossing that sea, and a storm came out of nowhere, and we had to turn back and go the other direction. The same was true in this day. But this time, Jesus was asleep in the boat. How many of you know if Jesus is asleep in your boat, your boat ain't sinking? And they woke him up and they say, Master, care us not that we're going to drown. I love Jesus' response. He grabbed the elements, the same elements of the winds and the waves that he spoke in the book of Genesis when he said, let there be. And he gathered them together in his fist and he said, be muzzled. He said it in Stockton terms, shut up. When you can gather the winds of heaven in your fist and calm it down, I don't know about you, but you're bad and you got power. He has power over death. I see him walking to the tomb of Lazarus saying, Lazarus, come forth. People say, well, why did he call Lazarus by name? I can tell you, if he hadn't called Lazarus by name, every dead man since the dawn of creation would have gotten out of the grave. He is the resurrection and the power. They say, well, yeah, that's good, Joey, but nothing like that's ever going to happen again. That's where you're wrong. Because the Bible says when that trump of God shall sound, the voice of the archangels will split the heaven and the dead in Christ will rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. It's the rapture and it's the only way to fly. You get more than peanuts on that trip. So where is Jesus now? The Bible says he's sitting by the right hand of God, which is a position of power. He has power to heal your body. He has power to deliver you from drugs or alcohol or pornography. He has power to bring back the sick, the dead, the dying. He has power to open up the windows of heaven and bless you with blessings you cannot contain. He has power to restore a broken marriage. He has power to return the prodigal back home again. There's power in his word. There's power in his touch. There's power in his blood. Do you have a problem? Look to the power source. He'll transfer it to you and he'll give you his power. But here's the thing, and this is just straight up fact. We do not live in this arena because we think God's power is like our character. And God's power is not like our character. God's power is consistent with his character. And we think God should be like us. And God says, no, no, you got it all wrong, mi amiga. You got it all wrong, amigo. You need to be like me. We're not calling God to be like us. God's calling us to be like him. And God's power is consistent with this character. But his character and many times ours are different. We're moody. Now, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about your neighbor. We have good days and we have bad days. Today I'm happy, but tomorrow, hmm, never know. Ah, look out, Jack. And then we have the audacity when we do things we're not proud of or we do something. Isn't it true? We always say this. I'm sorry. I just wasn't myself today. And I always think, well, then who were you? If you're not yourself, then who are you? But see, God's not like us. God never has a blue Monday. Remember that song back in the day? Blue Monday. Oh, blue Monday. He doesn't have a blue Monday. God never has an excedrin headache. God never gets the psychiatrist on the phone and says, hey, doc, can you tell me who I am today? No, no, God's, God's not like us. We're different. We're not like that. We have this issue going on in our emotions where where everything is driven by our emotions. What we see, what we touch, what we think, what we sell, what we smell. And if things don't go our way and if seasons don't go our way, we think God's angry at us. And when when we're taught certain things in religion, some of you which have been taught that, that because you've disobeyed this and, and you didn't do that and you didn't speak that and you didn't give that and you didn't let that come upon you, now God's angry with you. So instead of throwing dishes across the table, because that's beneath his dignity, now he's throwing thunderbolts of judgment. Migraine headache for you. Mother-in-law's moving in for you. IRS is coming to investigate you. Living with somebody with PMS for life for you. Now somehow God feels better because he's put judgment on us. That's not who he is. You see, we seek power Whether it's bombs, money, you're watching these political pundits, these these talking airbags on television, jockeying for a position of power. It's nauseating as they flip-flop every second because they think the pandering crowd wants to hear something different each and every day. We seek power, whether it's bombs, money, political office, without the character of God to control it. We want what God has, but we don't want to be what God is technologically, we're in the space age, morally, we're in the stone age, nuclear giants on the earth, but ethical little people. And that's why we're here for such a time as this to be the difference maker. You see, Jesus gave us a power demonstration, but before he gave it in the upper room with cloven tongues of fire, he did it when they were breaking bread. They were breaking bread and he told them about the communion. I'll share that as the next Sundays come upon us about this amazing commitment that God has made. When he breaks the bread, he says, this is my body. When he drinks the wine, he says, this is my blood and it's going to be shed for you. Then he does something amazing because the disciples at that point, they were waiting for this Messiah to come. They wanted this this ultimate destroyer warrior to come in and just a a, a, of and I even that's not even a word just disintegrate Rome just take Rome out kill everybody they were waiting for the Messiah to come on the white horse and just tear apart Rome and all of that stuff and bring forth the kingdom They were thinking of what a joy it was going to be to sit at the right hand of Jesus, which is a position of power. Do you know in that upper room, even the mamas were positioning their sons so they can sit at the right hand of Jesus? They were lobbying to get their son. Who's going to sit at his right hand? They were thinking of a joy it's going to be to overrule the Romans. And then Jesus gave us a a wonderful display of transferring of power. He showed him it wasn't with a sword or wasn't with a spear, but it was with the towel. That he grabbed the towel, he put it around his waist, he knelt down. The Son of God, the creator of heaven and earth, the God of the universe, he kneels down and he washes the feet of the 12. He washes the feet. He's the only one strong enough to kneel, he's the only one powerful enough to serve. That's why when all we want to do is get recognized and get rewarded for every little thing we do, we don't have depth and spiritual strength. It's when we have the power, what I call the thankless task with joy, then we become like Jesus. Look at Jesus, power in the grip of goodness, power with dedication, power with the towel wrapped around his arm. Let's go a little deeper with this thought, shall we? The power of God, it's consistent with his character, but his power gets you in life to fulfill your purpose. The great day is the day you're born. I mean, when you were born, we celebrate you because the earth was forever changed. Do you know that you are a miracle? Even though your mama may not have wanted you, your daddy may not have wanted you on this earth, but your heavenly father, when you were conceived in your mother's womb, turned to the angels and said, watch my miracle. Watch my miracle. And that great day when you're born, it's a miracle day. I was there. My, my my oldest or my youngest told you I, I was there when our first born. I literally started hyperventilating because I was I was so self absorbed. I told the doctor because I had the mask on. I couldn't breathe. And so Jennifer's getting just really just C-section. It's really this big ordeal, and they're prepping us, and we're and, and I've got the mask. I'm like, you can do it. Ha, ha, ha. You can do it. Ha, ha, ha. You just breathe. Ha, ha, just it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be. Uh said, so they pull me to the side and put oxygen on me. And I said, you can get with her later. Help me, help me, help me. <laughs> it's a true story. But that's the great day when our daughter was born. But there's, a, I believe, just as great as a day, the day that she finds out what she's born for. You see, that's the same with you and then with me. That, that great day when we're born, the miracle. But how about the day when we find our purpose? Because many of you don't realize that you're here for a purpose and on purpose. And there's something for you to contribute. There's something for you to do. The place of his purpose is always the place of his power. When God told that prophet Elijah, I have a place called there for you. When you go to the widow woman's house, I'll meet you there. And when he got there, the provision, the purpose, the power, it all mingled together and the meal barrels filled up and the crews of oil was constantly full. Why? The place of God's purpose is always the place of God's power. When people say, "Man, I want God's power, I want his purpose." Then when you just submit yourself to God and let him transfer that power, you may not see it in immediate, you may not see it in a day, but it will come in a daily. It will come whether you realize it or not. The place of his purpose will always always give you that power because some of you, you don't even realize what God's graced you for. You don't even realize the family. You, Some of you have put the funk in the dysfunctional family, but God has graced you for it. Some of you are carrying such a great anointing, such grand things on the inside, but it's not your time yet. It's not your season yet, but it's stirring even now as I'm speaking on the inside of you. Now think about that type of power. To be transferred, it's really got to have power with people. Because there are two types of power. There's power over people, and there's power with people. I always get a kick out of people when they try to dominate over people, with their words, with their manipulation, with, with, with what they think is money. And, you know, people say money talks. Yeah, mine says bye-bye. And, you know, try to, try to exert their superiority by, by having a title. I always get a kick out of people when they say, I'm a prophet. I'm a prophetess. Or when they introduce themselves and say, I'm a pastor. And I go... I'm Joey. I'm not a pastor unless you let me be your pastor, but I'm not. That's not if I didn't do this, I'd still be in the house of God. I'd still worship the Lord. It's not predicated upon what I do. It's predicated on who I am. And there's a world of difference. Because we have this power that we can exert and it could be over people or it can be with people. It was 2000 years ago. Can't you see Pilate? He's he's standing there with the Messiah, Jesus, but he doesn't look like the Messiah. He doesn't look like the one that's soon to return to this earth to rapture away his bride. He's standing beside Pilate. Jesus is there. His hands are behind him. Spittle is in his beard. His face is red from slapping. He wears the crown of thorns with blood coursing down his face. And Pilate says something that I think is misunderstood in most occasions. He says, knowest thou that I have the power over you? Think about what he's saying. This little peacock from Rome, he's looking at the God of the universe, the creator, the one who flung those stars as glittering backdrops in the velvet of the night and knows each one by name. The one who's measured space by the span of his hand. The one who sits upon the circle of the earth. The one who is is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. He's looking at that God. And he's saying, I have power over you. It reflects a concept that all of us must understand the difference. Pilate had Caesar's kind of power over them, dominating them by force. But Jesus didn't operate with that arena. He went to a higher altitude. He had power with people. He said, no man take my life. I lay it down as a ransom for many. I love that. He says, I could have called 10,000 angels. It's 12 legion of angels. That's 60,000 angels. He says, you want to play? I'll play with you. But that's not the altitude that I'm going because that's not the power that I want to show. I don't want to have power over people, forcing them to come, forcing them to serve me, forcing them to honor me, forcing them to believe. He says, no, no, I'd rather be a servant. And I'd rather call them my sons, my daughters. You see, I want a family, so I'm going, to, I'm going to let this happen because I'm going to see it from a different position. I'm going to have power with people. 2,000 years later, we can fast forward. The Caesars of this world, new names, new faces, but same old attitudes. They have H-bombs, nuclear warheads, all this military might, still searching to have power over people. That's what you're seeing now happen. That's what you're seeing some of you at work when they play politics. And you're not to get caught up in that nonsense. You're not to get caught up in that family drama. You're not to get caught up. You're to rise to a higher level. Think about it. Thousands of years later, there's nothing new under the sun. If it's true, it's not new. And if it's new, it's not true. And here we are today. I love what Napoleon said. He's in your history books, by the way. He said this word about Jesus. This is Napoleon. This is what he said. He said, Alexander the Great, Charlemagne, Caesar and myself, meaning Napoleon, founded empires upon force. That would be power over people. And he goes on to say those empires are gone. And he says, Jesus Christ of Nazareth founded his empire upon love. And millions of people would die for him whom they've never seen. End of quote. What type of power is that? It's not power over people. It's not power that's on the mountaintop telling people what they're not. It's on the it's on the bottom of the basin saying, I see potential in you. I'm going to I'm going to show you what's inside of you because I'm going to transfer all power in heaven and earth to you, my sons and my daughters, to the church. The church is not a building, a brick and mortar. It's certainly not some weird denomination that has all these rules and regulations. It says, dress this way, look this way, talk this way, have this way, this way, this way. That's not the church at all. That's man's philosophy. God said, you are my beloved. And because I love you so much, I'd rather die than live without you. I'm going to deposit these amazing gifts. These gifts for you, these gifts of power, the power of God to give you, to stir up what I put inside of you at salvation. Do you know nobody can come to the Lord unless the Spirit of God draws you? So when you become a believer in Christ, the Spirit of God lives in you. And that wonderful Holy Spirit that lives in you, God deposits gifts to all believers. All believers have these wonderful gifts, these great gifts. But you've got to do your part to to stir up that gift. That first way you stir it up is through repentance. That's why Peter said in Acts 2, repent and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What gift was that? That's the gift of the outpouring. Because repentance is a good word, but church usually uses it, especially those those people in church world that's hardliners. You know, they talk about hell like they want you to go there. You ever been around people like that they preach hell they preach all that stuff they talk about hell and I had a guy years ago said to me Joey you need to preach on hell I said where do you live sir he says well I live in Stockton I said enough said people live in this stuff we have lived in an emotional hell some of us we have lived we live in difficult seasons where hell bats us Believers don't need to hear about hell. They need to hear about the gifts that's inside them and heaven that awaits them and it can be stirred up within them. Now, I'll preach hell to the... I'll, I'll, I'll scare the hell out of you. That's what we'll do. Friends shouldn't let friends go to hell. That's my thought. That means you need to invite them to church, do what you can, pray for them. I mean, that's good. But what I'm saying to you, there's got to be a repentance. Repentance is a good word. It means it means don't go back to the house. Burn the house down. Repentance never changes God. And that's what religion teaches. Repentance. So God will change his mind toward you. What silly talk is that nonsense? Repentance doesn't change God. God's already established. He sits by the right hand of God the Father. You already accepted. You are already loved. You are already cherished. Repentance doesn't change God. It changes us. That's why repentance is a good thing. God is God. He doesn't want to live in a garbage can. He's saying, just let that stuff go, so I'll cleanse you out. Every church needs a good bowel movement. (laughs) Just cleanse that sucker out so you can get the good stuff in. So there's got to be this sense of, God, I've just let all this stuff go. I don't want no pigeon in me. I don't want no pigeon religion. I don't want any of that stuff in me. And let it go out. And then after there's that repentance, then there's really got to be what I call that thirsting. John seven: If anyone thirst, let him come unto me. And when you thirst and have an appetite, there's life. If there's no thirst or appetite for the things of God, you can sing the songs, you can sing Amazing Grace, you can come to church till the cows come home. But if you don't have that thirsting, you're spiritually dead. There's got to be where you say, "Man, I want more." That's how I was. I gave my life to Christ. I had no religious upbringing. I was 22 years old. I wasn't raised in church. When I was incarcerated as a youth, I never went to church because I thought that was weak. You're soft. If you go to if you go to those type of chapel services, that's what cowards do. You know, I was I had a bad mindset, and so when I was in juvenile hall and all the stuff I did as a youth, I had no religious upbringing because I refused to be a part of something that I thought was fake. So I said, "That's those people are." One verse, Charlie's—they're fake—and I, you know, I don't want to. I'm not fake, so if I'm going to abuse something, I'm going to do it all in. And so I get, I get, I give my heart to the Lord, and I'm just like changed. I'm, I'm literally changed. I mean, I have a smile. God's touched my heart. He, He frees me up, and so I start reading the Bible. I'll never forget the first time I started reading the Bible. I, I drank since I was 11. 11 years old I drink a beer every day pretty much and so I'm I'm in my house and I'm I'm reading the word of God with a bible in my hand and a bible in my hand and a beer in the other so I'm reading it some of you going keep me turned on don't stop and so I'm I'm reading the word and I've got a beer and then I realized this has no hold on me this is going to take me down a destructive path I don't need this any longer because I knew my personality is addictive and I needed to let that go. i not saying your personality is, but mine was. And so I let it go. And I said, God, you got to give me the power to overcome that. And I'll never forget as I started reading the word of God. And I, I read there in Acts 2. I read in Acts 1 where God filled his people with power. I've never been raised in church. I have no religious upbringing. See, some of you have a bad religious upbringing where they tie everything to the gift of tongue. They tie salvation to it, or what you wear, or the length of your hair. That's just not proper teaching. I'm sorry if you've been taught that. That's just that's not fully biblical. And people that teach that, that's not right. It's not biblical. And they can have that opinion, but that holds people through something that they'll never obtain. They'll never obtain righteousness by the flesh because something happens to the flesh. If you move around like me a lot, or you exercise like some of us do, something happens to your flesh, the pores start opening up, and then stuff comes out. It's called sweat. And then what happens when stuff comes out? It stinks. It starts to stink. Because if you operate in the flesh, if you do it long enough and work it up enough, it's going to start perspiring, and it's going to start to Stink. And that's what happens with a lot of pigeon religion. It ties everything to this beautiful gift that God has given his children. And so I'm reading this. I have no religious upbringing. And I'm reading this. And I'm reading out of Acts 2. I'm reading Acts 1. I'm devouring the word of God six, seven hours a day. I mean, I'm getting it in. I'm quoting it. I'm just like, I'm like a sponge. And I'm reading that passage. And I go, Lord, if that's real and you still feel people today, I need to be filled with the spirit. I need power to become a great witness for you. And so I'm driving home in my 1981 Cadillac, Coupe Deville two-door lowrider. Some of you don't know how I used to get down. That thing was tight and right. It was decked out, beautiful. And so I'm driving home in my Cadillac, Coupe Deville two-door lowrider. My fat white wall, I mean I'm 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 good. I'm looking good and, and I'm feeling good. And my friend at the church that I had given my life to, the Lord, the pastor, he gave me a cassette tape. Some of you all don't know about cassette tapes, but he gave me a cassette tape. It was the first worship songs. You know, we hear them here on Sundays, but this is the first worship I've ever listened to. You know, I used to listen to other things, oldies and stuff, and now he, he gave me Clint Brown. And So I put the Clint Brown in the cassette, and he's Zion's calling my name. And so I'm listening to him worship, and I just start crying as I'm driving home. I'm just loving the Lord. I'm thankful for his saving me. I mean, I've been changed, but I needed power. And so I'm talking to God on the freeway there in Sacramento, and I'm saying, Lord, if that stuff's real, I'm not fake. You've changed me. That, if that stuff's real and you fill people with the spirit, if I can have a beautiful prayer language, a heavenly language, I believe in those gifts. If they're of today, I believe it. God, would you fill me? And as sure as I'm standing here, The power of God hit me in that 1981 Cadillac Coupe de Ville 2 door. And I'm telling you what, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. It overflowed in me. I got home in my driveway. I didn't want to get out the car because I thought if I get out, it's going to leave me. And you know those big heavy doors back then? I'm like, that big heavy door, maybe the anointing will leave if I come out. So I was like, do I get out? Do I stay? Is it going to leave me? Two hours later... I get out of that car door. I slam that heavy door. I was like Clark Kent coming out, Superman. I mean, I'm telling you what, it filled me to overflow. God gave me this beautiful gift, not not to show I'm saved. That's not good teaching. It was because I was saved and because I stirred up and I repented and I had a a thirst. I had a thirst for the things of God. And then I began to ask. You see, that's the other thing. You got to ask for it. Many of God's children do not receive the best because they have not, because they ask not. So you simply gotta ask for the gifts of God. The gifts that are already there, they just need to be cultivated and stirred up. You gotta ask Him. But here's the one that I think paralyzes many believers they've gotta drink it in. The Bible says that they opened up their mouth, the Spirit of God gave them utterance. There's a reason why I don't like quiet church services because I think quiet represents dead people. Everything that has breath should praise the Lord. Not only that, I think before God created any miracle, he spoke spoken into existence. Before he created the sun, the moon, the stars, and the earth in which we live, He spoken into the existence. Before any miracle was created, he had to speak it out first. And that's where I think a lot of people that go to church do not understand the power of opening up your mouth. That's why when I preach and minister and we sing, it's not for you to just kind of stand there like a wooden Indian and sit there like a pure Puritan. It, you should, if you're hearing something good, you need to say, hey, come on, man, tell it. And if it's something that you like, you need to clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Because heaven's going to be loud. The Bible says they're singing in praising and in glory to God. There's a wonderful chorus of music that happens for eternity. And if you think heaven's quiet, you ought not go because heaven is going to be loud. It's going to be boisterous like a voice of many waters. And I'm telling you that for a reason because the church has developed locked jaw for too long. And God says, open up your mouth and give me praise. And that's important. So there's got to be there's got to be a drinking and in. You can't drink with a closed mouth. You can't drink with a closed mouth. Some of you, you've closed your mouth too long. you got to open up your mouth. And as you open up their mouth, as they praised the Lord, the Spirit of God gave mutterance, and they began to stir the gift. That wasn't a pigeon. It was a beautiful dove. And it transferred, and it gave God's children power, power to overcome, Power to persevere, the gifts of the Spirit. It gave them power and the fruit of the Spirit love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control, which there is no law for. So, in other words, the law of Moses is not for the law of the Christian. The law of the Christian is the law of love. And in the law of love, there's these wonderful gifts for you to live by and cultivate and pursue. The Bible says, pursue the gifts.